Hello and welcome to Homeopathy at Home with Melissa. If you're ready to be independent in helping your family with acute and chronic conditions in a more natural way, if you're interested in learning how to use homeopathy at home, and if you enjoy positive, encouraging messages, then this is the podcast for you. Click subscribe, grab some coffee or tea, get your pen and notebook ready, and get ready to learn how to use homeopathy at home in your family. The information in this podcast and its transcription is to be used for education only. The suggestions here should not replace the advice of your medical doctor, and you should never stop any prescription medication without the advice and direction of your doctor. I am not a physician. I am not prescribing, and I am not making healthcare decisions for you. It is your choice to use the information provided here and in any future communications with me regarding homeopathy and natural health care. What's in this episode? Conventional cold products, your granny's cold cures, and the top remedies for colds and flu. I really want to point out something today about this podcast, not this episode per se, but my whole intention of this podcast is a teaching podcast. So it's not really just for your listening enjoyment, although it can be a good podcast to listen to while you drive or run or walk or cook or clean, but at some point you'll want to go back with a pen and paper and take notes from these podcasts. This is really a teaching podcast that you'll benefit greatly from in taking notes. And let me tell you, in the classes that I take, the homeopathy classes that I currently take and have taken in the past, and anything else that I want to learn, I know that I need to listen to it more than once. I need to listen to it several times, if not over and over again. So what I do is, for the first time that I listen to it, I listen while I drive or cook or clean. And then I may do that several times before I go and sit down with the podcast or the learning material and actually take notes. But I do always end up taking notes. So I would encourage you to try that method. Listen to it a few times while you are doing something else, and then go back and sit down with it and take good notes. This one is going to be chock full of information and remedies having to do with cold and flu. So let's get started. As usual, I want to start with tips to move you into a more natural, healthy lifestyle. So let's take a look at your medicine cabinet. Go ahead, go look at it. What do you see? Is it full of synthetic over-the-counter medications? Is it about half over-the-counter medications and half vitamins and herbs with a homeopathic remedy or two? Is it all vitamins and herbs? with a homeopathic remedy or two? Is it mostly homeopathic remedies? No matter where you are in this process, know that you are not judged here. I'm called to bring hope and encourage you to keep moving forward. 
It's also never too late, no matter how old you are. I do hear that, unfortunately. So now that you're looking in or thinking about your medicine cabinet, I want you to specifically pull out or think about what's in there for colds, cough, and flu. There's a wide variety of over-the-counter medications that could possibly be in there. There are many herbs and vitamins that you could have. There are also many homeopathic, I'm doing air quotes here, homeopathic supplements on the market now that aren't really homeopathic. Unfortunately, people think that herbs and vitamins are homeopathy and they're not. Moreover, Drug companies are marketing to moms who want natural products for their children by slapping the word homeopathic on the package. Let's first look at these fake homeopathic products because I hate deception. Okay, the first one that I noticed in a store was Zycam. So great. It has homeopathic zinc in it. Awesome. But what else is in there? And I took this straight from their website. The other ingredients are ascorbic acid, cross-povidone, whatever that is. You can look it up if you want to. FD&C, yellow number six aluminum lake. Ugh, it's artificial coloring. And the Environmental Working Group gives FD&C, yellow number six aluminum lake, a score of three to seven. If you don't know what that means, go look it up. A peer-reviewed study reports this substance shows estrogenic activity in a human cell line. Why do they have to make it a certain color anyway? Who cares what the color is? The next ingredient, magnesium stearate, mannitol, monoammonium glycyhyrazinate, (laughs) whatever that is, don't even know if I said it right. Natural and artificial flavor, gross. Sodium starch glycolate, stearic acid, sucralose. None of these things are homeopathic and none of them provide benefit to the body. They do add to whatever your body is already trying to fight off. When your body is hard at work fighting off a pathogen, we don't do it any favors by adding more foreign chemicals for it to fight off. It's like a big fat distraction to your body. If you want to take homeopathic zinc, buy it in its homeopathic form. Take it that way. It's going to work much better than when combined with all of these other chemicals. Okay? Now let's look at Cold Ease. Cold Ease. When searching their website for the ingredients, they will only tell me the active ingredients and that there are, quote, no artificial colors or preservatives, end quote. But I could not find the inactive ingredients, so I had to go and find Cold Ease on Amazon and zoom in on the picture of the box, which states the inactive ingredients are corn syrup, natural colors, natural flavors, and sucrose. It also says that you can't use it if you're diabetic, if you have multiple sclerosis, 
if you have rheumatoid arthritis or other autoimmune disorders. Oh, it also may interfere with four medications, so you'll have to avoid this product if you're on those four medications. Here's the thing, friends. Homeopathy does not interfere with your medications. It's safe during pregnancy and breastfeeding. It's safe for all ages and stages of life, and you cannot overdose on it. Nobody has ever died from homeopathy. Did you know that the FDA has a pretty sketchy definition for natural flavors? Go look it up. Just because it says natural flavors doesn't mean that it's safe, healthy, or organic. Natural flavors are formulated in a lab, and they can be made from one ingredient or a whole list of ingredients such as spices, fruit, fruit juice, vegetable juice, vegetables, edible yeast, herbs, bark, buds, roots, leaves, plant materials, meat, fish, poultry, eggs, dairy products, and fermented products. Natural flavors can also contain gluten, and the FDA does not require a company to disclose what ingredients are in their natural flavors. But if it contains wheat, they do have to disclose that on the label. Did you know that sesame can also be in the list of ingredients in natural flavors, especially foods like, well, if you want to call it a food, candy corn, (laughs) pizza dough, and vitamin supplements? Boron, Highlands, and Genexa all make homeopathic cold and flu combination remedies that do have inactive ingredients in them, but they're nowhere near as bad as those listed for Zycam and Coldies. I still prefer to narrow it down and use a homeopathic remedy that fits the presenting symptoms, and that's what I'm going to teach you here, but... These combination remedies from these companies, Boron, Highlands, and Genexa, are definitely okay to take, especially when you don't know what to do. So rather than get stuck in analysis paralysis trying to figure out what to take, get the combination remedy. And as you get good at this, it's going to get easier. Now let's talk about your granny's medicine cabinet. Whether she had homeopathic remedies in it or not, she probably did not have NyQuil, Robitussin, Mucinex, and the like. She probably didn't even have vitamin C capsules in her cabinet. She used food as her medicine, and she cooked. That's what I want to talk about now. She likely had available good fats, fermented foods, and gelatin-rich bone broth without even realizing their full benefit. First. Why fat? According to Wise Traditions, podcast number 258, fats keep you full, boost your immune system, lower inflammation, protect the brain, regulate hormones, regulate mood, and contain fat-soluble activators that are catalysts for mineral absorption. Traditional diets contained 30 to 80% of their calories from fat. The healthy fats that we should be consuming daily include animal fats, organ meats, butter, egg yolks, and coconut oil. Don't get fat confused with protein. We need protein, but only about 10 to 20% of calories from protein. 
This means eat the skin with the chicken. Butter is the ideal food for thyroid gland because there are three very important thyroid nutrients in butter. And those are iodine, vitamin A, and butyric acid, which is unique to butter. Next up, your granny or great-grandmother, depending on how old you are, may have had fermented foods. Most likely, she did have fermented foods. There are more good bacteria in a tablespoon of sauerkraut than in a whole jar of probiotic supplements. Kombucha is made from sugar and tea and needs to be fermented to the point of being sour. If you go to the store and buy a jar of kombucha that is sweet, it's defeating the purpose. It hasn't been fermented long enough. Why are fermented foods good for us? The live bacteria in fermented foods greatly improve our digestive system, which is where 75% of your immune system is. When you eat fermented foods, it makes digestion much easier. So it's especially good to eat a tablespoon or two of sauerkraut with your high-fat meal. Fermented foods are also anti-inflammatory, which increases your immune function and helps you fight off a cold or a flu. So how does fermentation work? Bad bacteria can't survive in the presence of salt, but the good bacteria can. The good bacteria starts changing the sugars in the fruit or vegetables into lactic acid, which is a natural preservative, but lactic acid does not just preserve your food by fighting off bad bacteria. It also preserves the flavor and texture of the food. And most importantly, it preserves the nutrients. That's why fermentation came about. Before there were refrigerators, they fermented all kinds of stuff to preserve it. Lastly, broth. Your granny or your great-grandmother most likely had broth in the kitchen. Don't throw those bones away. I'm going to share with you the entire process that I take with one chicken and some vegetables. My chicken broth recipe is on my blog, and I'll link that in the show notes. But just about every week, I buy a whole chicken, and I am in the process of planning to raise my own meat chickens. But until then, I buy a whole chicken that's as clean as I can possibly get from the store, and that means organic and free range. I put the whole chicken in a stock pot and cover it with either well water or Berkey filtered water, which I'm going to discuss in a future episode. I add a couple of tablespoons of coarse sea salt or Redmond's real salt, black peppercorns, sliced ginger, and a lot of it, a whole onion that I have quartered, three to five sticks of celery roughly chopped, three to five carrots just broken by hand, a stragglers root powder, a lemongrass stalk, one whole head of garlic very roughly chopped and kind of crushed, and if I'm forgetting anything, it's on the recipe on my blog. I bring all of that to a boil with the pot covered so that I don't lose any of the precious broth until the chicken is cooked about an hour. I don't boil it strongly for an hour, but it's more of a slow, soft boil, more than a simmer. I pull the chicken out, put it on a platter, and then strain the broth into large bowls. 
That broth goes into mason jars and into the refrigerator to be drank from coffee cups or used in recipes. You can also can your broth. I just haven't gotten around to doing that yet. I pull the chicken off the bones, saving all the bones and cartilage. Cartilage is important. I put the bones and cartilage into a Ziploc baggie in the freezer until I have a few chickens in there. I buy some chicken feet, then I'm ready to make bone broth. With the chicken broth that I just made, sometimes I make soup, stew, gravy, chicken pot pie, chicken and dumplings. I add it to my cabbage and sausage dish or whatever would normally call for chicken broth. I would highly suggest picking up a copy of Nourishing Traditions Cookbook by Sally Fallon Morrell. Back to the bone broth. With the pot of bones and cartilage and water and some apple cider vinegar, I cook the bones until they're soft. They can be used in soups, stews, gravies, all of which would be an amazing way to get the calcium and strengthen your bones. Do you get what I'm saying? Use the softened bones in your recipes to eat. Yes, these bones are so soft that you can crush them with a fork. It's a great way to get calcium. But if you're unable yet to fathom such a thing, at least feed the softened bones to your pet. Let me clarify. We never give cooked bones to pets unless they're cooked so soft like what I'm talking about here. This is the only safe cooked bone for any pet. And I'm going to really dig deep into raw feeding your pets in another episode. Bone broth has tons of nutrients and can help you fight off a cold or flu and keep you healthy all year. And then, of course, you can also can your bone broth so you can get ready for cold and flu season right now. Now to the homeopathic portion of this episode, which is going to be rich. I'll start with a personal story. Stories always seem to help people remember things better. The kids recently had a cold with a cough, runny nose, stuffy nose, and one ran a fever. And as usual, after about a week, it started in on me. I had a ton of sneezing to begin with, and then came a dry slightly sore throat. Fermfos 6X, as needed, reduced it greatly for hours, and then it would come back. I took that the whole first 24 hours, just whenever I thought about it. I carried it in my pocket. I have finally learned to go ahead and start something at the first sign rather than wait to see if I need anything. The second night, my throat seemed to be worse, so I hit it with the Aconite 200. One dose, done. Slept beautifully, woke up with a slight feeling in the throat, but it didn't hurt. I didn't take the, anything else because I knew the aconite was still working in my body. After a couple of hours of being awake, my throat was completely normal and no more sneezing. I was good all day. The kids were still sick, but they were working through it beautifully. My daughter had the fever and she usually gets worse from there, but, but she actually did much better this time than she ever has before. I also did Ferrum Foss 
6X with her, followed by aconite and Brionia. So that was aconite 200 and Brionia 200 mixed together in the mouth at the same time. The third night, my throat got that feeling again. I can't describe it. It didn't hurt and it wasn't dry. It was just a sensation that's not normally there. And I have battled terrible sore throats all of my life. And I can remember times when I couldn't even swallow my saliva. Anyway, I considered aconite again, but decided the aconite I took 24 hours ago was still active in my body and I didn't take it. Let me explain. After 20 plus years of using homeopathy, my body knows what to do. Sometimes it needs a little help and sometimes it needs a lot of help, as in like when I get a flu or with my hormones. So I never panic about a problem. I've learned that fear magnifies the problem, which is the enemy, and truth magnifies Jesus. So I speak truth over every situation, even though sometimes immediately, but sometimes I forget who I am and and allow lies to penetrate, but not for long. Homeopathy is a tool, but it's not my savior. Throwing every remedy in the book at a cold is worse than unnecessary. I think it magnifies fear. It says, I'm worried. Let me throw everything I have at this in an attempt to stop all symptoms. But remember, symptoms are good. They alert us to what's going on in the body. The goal is not to stop everything immediately, but to support the body and moving through it appropriately without complications. This process takes time, especially when you've been suppressing symptoms all of your life. Again, there's no condemnation here. It's a process. You're in the right place. You're taking the right steps. You'll get there. When I first started using homeopathy, I didn't immediately stop having strep throat several times a year. It was a process, and I still get a sore throat once or twice a year, but it doesn't put me in the bed with a fever for days like it used to. In fact, it's usually just annoying at worst. It's like a little fear tactic the enemy tries to throw at me to remind me of all the days and nights I spent in fear over the sore throat because I always knew what was next. Sharp, shooting pains into my ears, high fever, lethargy, can't swallow, can't move, go to the doctor's office, get my throat swabbed. Oh, I hated that. That was the worst. That was the part that I dreaded second worst. I'm going to tell you what the first one was in a minute. So getting the throat swabbed always made me gag. I had to lay there in the doctor's office, you know, all bundled up, laying on the table, waiting on the doctor to come in so he could do this terrible thing to me. Then I would get prescribed an antibiotic or when I was a kid, they would give me a penicillin shot in the bottom. If you've ever had that, you know exactly what I'm saying right now. That is the most painful thing other than childbirth that I've ever felt and it hurt for days, right? So I was scared to death. Every time I had to go to the doctor, I would ask my mom, am I going to have to get a shot today? And she would always say, I don't know, honey. You know, she didn't want to scare me, but she didn't want to um, lie to me either. So that whole process was full of fear for me. But the Lord delivers us from fear when we look to him. 
that thing should have never had a hold on me, but I learned a lot through it. And I've learned a lot about who I am through the years. So when you first start using homeopathy, you should see some benefit, but the more you use it, use it first, use it wisely and use it alone without essential oils that can interfere, the less you need it. So this is going back to why I didn't repeat aconite. Speaking of essential oils, my daughter is the only one of us that diffused thieves in her room at night. I wonder if the oils interfered with the action of the remedy. She also was the only one to continue eating all the sugar and dairy that I always suggest stopping during a cold or flu. I'm not condemning her. I'm saying it's hard when you love dairy and sugar to stop eating those things, but I want to encourage you to strictly stop sugar and dairy when you get a cold or a flu. Okay, back to me and aconite. I didn't take it again, but it would not have been harmful to do so. I just didn't feel led to treat the minor feeling that I had in my throat And when I woke up the next morning, I was completely normal, no feeling in the throat, and nothing ever came back. This is where I originally meant to encourage you before I went off on all the rabbit trails, which I hope we're also encouraging anyway. If fear is your driving factor, address that first rather than the illness. Don't feel like you have to throw 6,000 remedies at a minor condition. Choose one. Stick with it for four doses and then reassess the situation. Take it as needed. Allow your body to work in the way it was designed to. Try not to think of homeopathy as a replacement for Tylenol or Motrin. It does replace them, but not in the same way. Let's move on to talk about the stages of a cold. First, there's the inflammatory stage. That's what I was in when I had the slight sore throat. This is the beginning of a cold where there may be hot eyes that feel gritty, lots of sneezing, headache, a clear discharge, and possibly even a sore throat. That usually is a first sign for me. In this first stage, good remedies are aconite, bryonia, belladonna, and chamomilla. In the second stage, between the inflammatory stage and the catarrhal stage, is heparsulf and pulsatilla. Pulsatilla is used when the ear is red and the child is crying and they want attention. There's no discharge, but the ear hurts. The nose just starts to get green or white, and white indicates calimur, but it's thick. You're starting to move into the catarrhal stage, which is the last stage. Green mucus coming from the eyes, ears, or nose could also be present during this second stage. Heparsulf, also being in the second stage, is one to consider when the ear is inflamed from cold wind and also works in the catarrhal stage. When a cold has ripened, You've missed the belladonna bus here in this second stage. Combining aconite and bryonia is a great first thing to use at the very first signs of a cold or flu. 
Aconite 200, Aconitum napellus, and Brionia alba 200. Mix together in the mouth every few three to six hours and usually can shut everything down. Okay, so then your third stage is the catarrhal stage. You've got green-yellow mucus, pain in the sinuses. You're past the inflammatory stage, and aconite, belladonna, and chamomilla won't touch it. You've moved past that stage into the catarrhal stage. If the eardrum is bulging and there's pus coming out, you are past the inflammatory stage, and those three remedies won't do anything anymore. So in the catarrhal stage, you're looking at silica and mercury, as well as some others that we'll talk about soon. So here are some good ideas for when a cold or flu starts to come on. Give Ferrum Foss 6X or Gelsimium 30 at the very beginning of a cold if the patient has a lack of symptoms or they're not prominent. You know, when, when you just don't feel right. If the cold is going around, use whatever remedy worked for everybody else. Usually colds come on as a result of your diet or they can be caused by weather. So if a cold is brought on by weather, it's from drafts, wind, dampness, a sudden drop in the temperature, a big change in the weather. If it's brought on by diet, you're looking at um, you might get a cold when you drink or eat cold foods and drinks, especially dairy, gluten, things that can cause inflammation. Now I'm going to go into specific remedies and give you some big remedy pictures here. This is what you're going to write down when you get to the point of writing, taking your notes. Aconite is the leading remedy. Give it first, and if you don't know what to give, here's a story to help you remember and recognize aconite. Imagine children playing outside on a warm fall day. Here in North Carolina, our fall days can be anywhere from 50 to 90 degrees, and then it drops from 30 to 70 degrees at night. So the kids are outside without jackets playing, and the temperature drops around dusk, and it gets really chilly, but they don't come inside to put on their jackets or to get warm, right? Because... Kids don't care if they're cold. They continue playing, and when they're called inside, suddenly, keynote number one, suddenly, one child has a fever or an earache. This is a sudden onset as a result of getting cold outside and getting a chill. That calls for aconite. The child might be restless and have a short, dry, hacking cough and a sore throat. You can also remember my rhyme that I made up, and it goes like this. First, fast, fear, fright, that's when we call on aconite. We could also add fever and flu to those Fs. All of these terms and more are in my Quizlet class on colds, cough, and flu. And you can find those on my website at melissacrenshaw.com backslash classes. I'll link that in the show notes. Arsenicum album is a great choice when there's any kind of burning, whether it be in the nose, eyes, throat, ears, wherever the burning symptom is, arsenicum is to be thought of. Arsenicum is very restless and may have a loss of taste. There may be a fever that presents with periodic chills 
and this remedy can even be useful in hay fever. Gelsimium. Gelsimium is my favorite remedy, especially when the cold is flu-like. This person has great weakness and is exhausted. He may be trembling with chills and thirstless. This person is susceptible to changes in the weather. We all know those who get a cold at every season change, right? The temperature changes and they get a cold. Sore throat may be present with the gelsimium cold. And here's a great way to memorize gelsimium. The four D's. I learned this from Dr. Robin Murphy. The four D's are dizzy, drowsy, droopy, and dull. And that's in your mind. So they're apathetic. They don't even have the energy to think, drink, or eat. Again, I just want to mention that I offer Quizlet classes focusing on cold, cough, and flu and a lot of other acute conditions. Right now, it has night, the cold, cough, and flu class has 19 terms chock full of information. You can really learn these remedies and not have to go searching Materia Medica's or your notes as much. Just 10 minutes of practice per day is what I suggest. If you don't know what Quizlet is, check out the video on my website at melissacrenshaw.com backslash classes. There's a video right there at the top and you can see how it works, how you would study with Quizlet. Now let's move on to flu. Gelsimium is also number one for flu. Give gelsimium or ferrumphos at the very beginning of a flu that does not have prominent symptoms. If flu is going around, give the remedy that worked for others. Fright or overwork happens before the flu, so he worries himself sick. That's gelsimium. Remember the four Ds, dizzy, drowsy, droopy, and dull mentally. The gelsimium flu looks just like the gelsimium cold and has a slow onset with chills and a headache in the front or back of the head. This person looks drugged because their eyelids are so droopy. They feel fragile inside and may have muscle aches. Malaise is the major symptom in gelsimium. They don't have any energy. Next up, Brionia. I really love combining Brionia and Aconite 200 at the beginning. Brionia is most commonly thought of in pain, so this person will be worse for motion with bone and joint aches and a splitting headache. Irritability is prominent and opposite of gelsimium, which is apathetic. Right, so gelsimium is apathetic. Brionia is irritated. This person is also thirsty, which is opposite of gelsimium. Everything is dry, dry lips, constipation, dry hacking cough that hurts, and the patient holds his chest to keep it still because of the pain. This is a great pneumonia remedy and can be combined in the 200th potency at the first sign of a cold or flu with aconite 200 every three to six hours. Usually this remedy can shut it all down within a dose or two, so don't keep taking the remedy when you're feeling better. Only resume the remedy if symptoms return. You don't want to keep taking remedies after you're feeling better. Arsenicum is a great flu remedy and presents like a cold, but also has 
may or may have gastrointestinal disturbances like vomiting or diarrhea. Arsenicum is anxious and restless, desperate and clingy due to anxiety in their illness. This person may be afraid they're going to die. They have a huge fear over their health and may pace the floor. This is a great remedy for food poisoning. She may move from the bed to the floor and back again or from chair to chair because she's restless. This flu is worse at night and wants company. Warm drinks will make her feel better, but she likes to sip them and not gulp them. You can get 28 terms in my gastrointestinal disturbances Quizlet class in the same place that the other classes are listed on my website under the classes tab. Why would you pay for a Quizlet class? There are several reasons. So Quizlet, the service is free. But I charge money for my Quizlet classes, which are self-paced and self-led, because you can have remedy pictures on hand in case you need help to help someone in your family. So even if you don't have them memorized, you can go to Quizlet or you can take notes from Quizlet and have all these remedy pictures and profiles in your notes. You can study the remedy pictures and know faster what kind of cold cough or flu, etc. is presenting without having to do a ton of research. So we know that the faster you start treating, the faster the person is going to get better. Another reason that you would pay for one of my Quizlet classes is that you're getting access to my 20 plus years of notes, which cost me thousands of dollars and thousands of hours of my time, all organized in one place easy to get to from any device, and easy to study and memorize. Another reason is you can play games with other people that are in the class. And so I might lead some games within the class and they would be, they would probably take place on Google Classrooms. And so we might organize some of that later. Another reason that you would want to buy a Quizlet class is so that you can deepen your knowledge and widen your skills as your family's homeopath. You'll get much closer to being in control of your health care and that of your family. And right now through Cyber Monday of 2020, which is November 30th, you can enter the coupon code HOLIDAYS to get $25 off of any of my Quizlet classes. There you have it, friends, a great start to colds and flu and changing your medicine cabinet. In the next episode, I'm going to discuss fevers and coughs. Please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. I'd love to see your feedback, so please rate this podcast so I can continue to bring quality content to your ears often. Be blessed. Be whole. Be healthy. Thank you for listening.